I want to turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 9. I'm so glad it's the Christmas season. And I've, I've learned some things about Christmas this year, actually. And I want to share a little bit of that with you. Uh, it's interesting. Two weeks away, isn't it? Two weeks from today. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 9. Man, are you there? You're supposed to be speed. You know, didn't you practice this as children in church? You had these races to find passages? <laughs> Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Thank you. You're welcome. And it says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Father, I just... Pray that you'll direct today and give me something to give your people. And I ask, Lord, that your spirit will anoint and do what human flesh cannot do. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 It is truly one of the most glorious times of the year, I think, because of all of the uh, emphasis on family, on bringing people together, on goodness and doing kind things to one another. Um, but to us Christians, there's so much of a deeper meaning to it. And you know that we're kind of in the midst of uh, this culture war. Um, and the war on Christmas, I don't know if Bill O'Reilly uh, coined that phrase, but I think he's the first one I heard use it, where he talked about this war on Christmas. And if you remember last year, there was a big fight over Starbucks cups. You remember that? <laughs> I don't remember what was on the Starbucks cups now, but there was a big fight over that. And then there's the arguments over Santa Claus, and there's uh, arguments over Christmas trees, and, and now you're not supposed to say Merry Christmas, you're supposed to say Happy Holidays, and, and the removal of manger scenes in any public setting, and, and uh, just basically creating a Christless Christmas. And in fact, if you looked on the news... There was a situation in Florida just over the last couple of days where uh, they were playing Christmas music in a restaurant and somebody left a note saying how offensive that was to have Christmas music playing. <laughs> the Grinch lives. <laughs> and I think how crazy this is. It is Christmas. Right. <laughs> it, is, it is Christmas. Now, to, to bring this in perspective, sometime in February, I don't remember the day, we celebrate George Washington's birthday. Could you imagine if they said, well, this is George Washington's birthday, but don't mention George Washington. Yeah. Kind of stupid, right? <laughs> kind of silly. This is literally a Christian holiday, at least in America, in, in American understanding of this. This is a Christ, Christian holiday. And yet the secular world wants to get rid of Jesus in his holiday. And it doesn't even make sense. But we have to wonder, are we truly secularizing Christmas or not? I mean, we, we tend to think 
wow, we're, we're, we're changing the whole meaning of Christmas. We're kicking Christ out of Christmas. We're changing the, the emphasis of the holiday. But I've come to realize this is not a new thing. So, some of us old folks, you remember what we grew up watching? Frosty the Snowman? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? You remember all those? <laughs> we watched, we watched uh, the Grinch who stole Christmas. You know, we, uh, the only one that really had any kind of a Christian emphasis was Charlie Brown. And, and I, that was my favorite even growing up. I loved that when Linus gave his sermon, <laughs> his little message there in that one. But for the most part, even when we were growing up, TV was secular when it came to Christmas. There wasn't a lot of emphasis on Christ in Christmas in those days. What about our songs? The happy holidays. Happy holiday, happy holiday, while the merry bells keep ringing. There's no Christ in there. Anywhere. Then you mention him. The Christmas song. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. There's no Christ in that song. <laughs> Nowhere. It's a very secular uh, vision of Christmas. And that's, that was way back in ancient history when we were kids. You know, way back. When the pyramids were brand new. You know. <laughs> and, we're, and we're trying to bring Christ back into Christmas. But I've, I've come to realize that they didn't kick Christ out of Christmas. He'd kind of been kicked out for a long time in America. It's, uh, you know, there was even songs, I'll be home for Christmas, and on and on. You could go about these songs that we sang, and a lot of them. What's that? Oh, yeah, Bing. Spokane Man. <laughs> we, we watched all these things. A recent survey says that, nine, that, that just barely over 10% of Americans believe that Jesus Christ of Nazareth uh, is the reason for Christmas. Ten percent of Americans believe that. It has become it has become so much a totally different emphasis, and not just Christmas, the whole holidays. I went over to a family member's house for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the name of the holiday. There was food everywhere. And when it came time to eat, you know what they did? They ate. There wasn't even a moment of prayer, a moment of reflection, a moment of thanksgiving. It was dive in and attack that turkey. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I'm a pastor. And you would have thought they would have said, maybe with a pastor ought to, you know, say thanks over the, the meal. None of that. And I don't think they did that to snub me. I think they honestly didn't even think about it. Because what they have lost emphasis on what this is about. They've totally lost track. It has become about food. It's become about gifts. It's become about uh, football games. It has become about a whole lot of things that it has nothing to do with. Christmas arguments go on within the Christian world. Is, is, Christ, is Christmas pagan or is it, is it a Christian thing? And the arguments go way back. It's not a new thing. They've been fighting about this for, for millennia, it seems. You know, they've been going on about this. And you, you can come up with a good argument that Christmas came out of paganism. Um, there's a lot that believe that, that paganism had grown so strong in the Middle Ages uh, that, uh, that Catholicism, that the Catholic Church actually created Christmas to kind of join in, to, to mesh the two things together so that they... 
uh, were basically not going to get attacked. So they trying to get along. They created Christmas in the same day, the same time frame. Um, even and you can trace Christmas wasn't officially understood by the church until about the fourth century. Um, but even that, I have been reading things where a lot of scholars believe that actually the Christian celebration of December 21st came before the festival, the, the pagan festivals. I don't know. Wasn't there. I have no clue. But whatever the case is, yes, there is a pagan element to Christmas. But in the United States of America, Christianity has, has pretty much always had a handle on Christmas. We have understood in America that Christmas is the day to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And a lot of Christians don't. A lot of Christians fight. That, they, they fight that. They argue that. The scholars go back and forth arguing whether you should or shouldn't. Christian pastors, Christian uh, groups, they argue back and forth. Some celebrate Christmas, some don't celebrate Christmas, and they fight about whether you should or shouldn't. My little tiny brain just thinks, how can it be wrong to just pick a day to celebrate Jesus' birth? I mean, really. And people want to fight about what day it was. It was in September. No, it was in April. And, I, and, I, and I'm thinking, if I adopt a child from Kenya and they have no idea when that child was born, should I just not celebrate the birthday at all or just pick a day? Pick a day. I'm okay with that. What I do like to be careful about is bringing pagan worship into the Christian emphasis of, uh, of Christ's birth. Because that I don't want. I don't want any paganism involved in it. But we have to understand the Bible does not institute Christmas. It does not in any way, any place, tell us to celebrate Christmas. Now, whether Christian celebration or the pagan festivals came first, I don't know. They can fight about it. But this is something interesting about Christmas. The, after the Protestant Reformation, many Protestant believers were so concerned with what Christmas celebration had become that they banned it. Christmas was banned because of the fact that it had become a party time. I don't know if you've noticed this. But people don't need much of an excuse to drink. <laughs> I can tell you from police work that one of our busiest nights of the year is, is, is not New Year's. It's not Fourth of July. Hmm? No? You're working on it. Keep going. <laughs> oh, Leprechaun Day. I am serious. <laughs> Leprechaun Day. It is one of the busiest nights of the year, St. Patrick's Day. How many Irish people we got? You know, yeah, some of us. But on St. Patrick's Day, everybody is Irish. Give me a beer. That's what they do. They don't have, they have no connection to Ireland. They have no connection to Irish. They, all they know is that, hey, it's a holiday, give me a beer. And that's what people do. It doesn't take an excuse to get them to drink. This is what Christmas had become to such a degree that the reformers said, for now on, we will not allow Christmas. <laughs> Christmas was so bad that it was outlawed in England. In, in 1645, under Oliver Cromwell, it wasn't reinstated until Charles II. The Puritans thought, thought that Christmas was so 
pagan and so bad that they outlawed it in 1659. Anyone caught celebrating Christmas would be fined. (laughs) I mean, see, we think they're secularizing Christmas now. It has always had this battle. In 1819, the Christian author Washington Irvin published a book called The Sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon. It was a series of stories about the celebration of Christmas in England in an England manor house. In these stories, uh, Irvin literally created what we view as Christmas. It was a story about a good man... Uh, this English squire who went around doing nice things for people and invited peasants into his home and gave them gifts. And because of his writing, what we take as traditional Christmas things of giving gifts and doing nice things and having meals and all that kind of was bred from that. It was created from that. And along that same time, Charles Dickens wrote his book, A Christmas Carol, and it became, you know, a smash hit, very popular. And from that, this idea of being good, being nice, giving things on Christmas was created in America. That This idea came through America. So even, even the fact of giving gifts, which we relate to the wise man bringing gifts to Jesus, in America, that's not really where the view came from. I still think it's okay to celebrate it that way. Hey, the opportunity to give gifts to one another in kindness and love. So what can we conclude about Christmas? There is nothing holy specifically about Christmas. It is not ordered in the Bible anywhere that you celebrate Christmas. And again, do I think it's wrong to celebrate Christmas? No, I don't care. If you want to pick a day, I make it April 2nd. I don't care what day you pick. If you want to celebrate the birth of Christ, this is when they do it. As long as we understand that this is what it is. That it doesn't become about going down to the store and fighting over some crazy gifts. And killing somebody over a Tickle Me Elmo. Oh, that was like 30 years ago, wasn't it? What is it? Egg? They're fighting over eggs? Oh, my goodness. People fighting in stores. What an example of, of Christ's love. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Another thing we have to understand, if somebody chooses not to celebrate Christmas, there's nothing wrong with that. And there's some people that feel like you're snubbing Christ. You're snubbing the church if you don't celebrate Christmas. No, no, no. And if the Bible doesn't command you to do it, if somebody doesn't take part in it, that's perfectly fine. They don't have to. The general celebration of Christmas began innocently in America, but it evolved into something that's not so innocent anymore. And even in the Middle Ages, when the Puritans finally took a stand on it, it had devolved into nothing but an orgy, a party. A drunken sexual party. That's what Christmas. Can you imagine Christmas that way? It's crazy. But that's what it was way back then. So are we having a war on Christmas today? Sure, I think we are, but it's not a new war. It's not a new war. It's something that's been going on for a long time. Christmas can be a wonderful time to remember Christ's birth. That's what we have to keep this thing focused on. It's not about what you get. Does it 
drive anyone else nuts when somebody comes up that you haven't seen for a year and they say, oh, I got you something you're going to love because I know what they're doing. They're telling me, you better got me something that I'm going to love. And then I really disappoint them and I don't have to see them for another year because they don't want to talk to me. It's wonderful. (laughs) This Christmas season can be wonderful. The food and the family and the fellowship and the remembering that Jesus Christ was born. What a great thing to remember. Nothing wrong with that. Christmas can be a wonderful season to encourage family closeness. I don't know about you, but a lot of times that's the only time I see family, certain family members. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. I can tell you from the police perspective again that there's a lot of family members that should not get together because that's when we get the calls, and it's usually on Thanksgiving and Christmas. They probably would be better just to celebrate Christmas over the phone. The secularization of Christmas doesn't happen on TV. This war on Christmas, the secularization, the taking the Christ out of Christmas, does not happen on television, and it does not happen out in society. It happens in our homes. And I don't know if you could say that, that television follows uh, the, the home or the home follows television, but I tend to believe that, that movies are made. Have you noticed the up, uptick in Christian-based movies lately, even out of Hollywood? Why? Because they know they sell. If Christmas is celebrating Jesus Christ and families hold that value, Hollywood will follow because they want to sell a a movie. But the secularization doesn't come because Hollywood pushes it down our throats. Secularization becomes because families forget the reason for Christmas and what it's actually all about. We allow that secularization to happen in our own homes. We are the ones that have to remember that Jesus Christ is why we do this. The day isn't important. The reason is important. Martin Luther said there's three miracles of Christmas. That, that, uh, God, that God became man, that a virgin would conceive, and that the heart of man would believe this. Three very amazing miracles. Because see... God had to become man because we needed Him to. And God, that, that son had to be born of a virgin because He had to be the right sacrifice. And it's a miracle that the heart of man can believe something that can sound like such a fairy tale to the, the mind of a rational person. We say, that doesn't even make sense. But you know what? God gets in here and He makes that make sense. It's revealed. The Word of God says you can't understand that until the Spirit of God does something inside of you. That's why talking to an atheist is like talking to a telephone pole. They don't get it. It makes no sense to them. It's silly. It's stupid. Isn't that what Scripture says? The preaching of the Gospel is foolishness to the world. And then one day the Spirit of God ignites it and lights it up and you go, Now I get it! Praise God! Larry King was asked one time, remember Larry King? Crazy guy that did interviews. He was asked one time, if you had a choice of anybody down through history that you could interview, who would it be? And he said, oh, that's easy, Jesus Christ. That was interesting. They said, what would you ask him? And he said, if I could ask Jesus anything, I would ask him, were you really honestly born of a virgin? 
He says, because upon that rests everything else in our world. Have you ever thought about that? Larry King, where did he get a, 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 an intelligent thought like that? That had to be one of his only ones. <laughs> what, an, uh, what an insightful thing. See, you take the virgin birth away from Jesus Christ and he becomes just you and I. He, he is no longer the Almighty God. He, that virgin birth, that miraculous birth where He came to, to this earth, He didn't come here. He, didn't, he, he had a reason. There was a reason. There was something. He didn't come here out of happenstance. He came here for a reason. One person said if we would have needed knowledge and information, He would have sent an educator. He said if we would have needed technology, He would have sent a scientist. If we would have needed pleasure, he would have sent an entertainer. If we would have needed money, he would have sent an economist. But we needed forgiveness, so he sent his son, the Savior. I just thought that was amazing. I love that. We like to turn Jesus into all those things, but the fact of the matter is he was Savior. And that Savior, all sin, requires a penalty. All of it. No matter what it is. Have you ever run into somebody that's never sinned? I have. They've told me straight out they didn't sin. Never have. Never in my life have I sinned. I'm like, wow, that's impressive because you did like three times right now with all the lies you're telling. Uh, (laughs) Every sin. Well, I'm a good person. I do the right things and I try to help people and and I don't don't abuse people. I'm just, I'm a good person. You're not good enough. You couldn't do good enough because all it took was one sin. You blow it one time in your life, you're going to hell for eternity. Simple fact of the matter. There is no other remedy for sin. See, grace couldn't come without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Because sin requires death. And that means The first time that you and I sinned, death was automatic. We had to die. There could be no grace because we have an almighty, holy, and righteous God and we are unrighteous, unholy sinners that come before Him. And so because of that, the instant that we sinned, we had to be condemned to hell. And the only way that grace could come was when... Jesus Christ went to the cross because without that sacrifice on the cross and the shedding of that blood, we would have to pay the price for our sin. But Jesus paid the price for that sin. He took it upon Himself. He carried that. And so now there can be grace where God gives us grace. What is grace? A license to sin? No. No. Grace is the power to overcome sin. The the hand of God upon you to avoid sin. See, man can't be just. Man has no ability to be just. I worked in a prison one time, this old man named Kermit. He was was a cook. Cool old guy. I used to talk to him all the time. I I asked him, I said, well, what are you in here for? And he said, well, I was convicted of rape in 1972. And he said, I've been in here and I will die here. I will never be allowed to leave. He said, the weird thing to me is, I've actually watched these young kids come in, murderers, and they spend a few years and they're back out again, and I'm still here for mine. And he said, I've watched them come in for every, every kind of crime under the sun, felony. They come into this prison, they spend a few years and they leave, and yet I'm still here. Because man cannot have justice. 
man is not capable of justice. You say, well, that doesn't even make sense. That's, that's the problem with it. Man cannot have justice. But in God's eyes, there is only one penalty for rape, for murder, for theft, for lying, for cheating, for disobeying, for you can go down the list, on and on. One penalty, you die. But he loved his people so much that he sent his only begotten son to be born on some day during the year that we don't know. <laughs> And he walked on this earth as the Savior. He walked on this earth to to carry that that example to us of what it is to live holy and righteous and and to impart truth to his people. Joe Torrey was asked, a famous coach, and they said, you know, we... There was a group of people that said, you know, I think it would be better to start coaching up from the the upper booth. You can see the whole game better. If you coach from up there, you can really see what's happening. And and that that way you can really impart direction and and guidance to your players. We just think that would be a better idea. And Joe Torrey's response was, I have to be down there so I can look into the eyes of my boys. There's a difference when you're up there and when you're down here. I was reading an article where people were fighting over something. And uh, I was reading the comments. It was on the internet. And I read the comments. And, uh, and one of the fellows said, If God is real, why doesn't He bother just coming down here and showing Himself? And I was like, huh. A matter of fact, He did. <laughs> he did. He came down here and He looked us in the eye. He looked His creation in the eye and He said, follow Me and I will lead you to eternal life. And then He was nailed to a cross because you and I couldn't live a holy and perfect life. He went to that cross and He shed that blood. And so what are we celebrating during this time? Oh, giving of gifts and eating and and fellowship and all that? No, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ came to earth. And He was born of a virgin. And He carried the righteousness of God upon Him because He was God. And He is God. He wasn't wasn't part man, part God. He was 100% God and 100% man. You say, well, that doesn't work. Well, that's all right. I went to Colville School, so it makes sense to me. He was Almighty God. And He was Almighty God for us, to teach us. And so He went to the cross and He paid that price for our sin. He suffered and died on a cross. That's what we're celebrating. See, the world can't stand that. The world does not mind Christianity until you get to where they live. When you start telling, see if the disciples would have came to earth and just went around preaching their stuff, they wouldn't have cared. The problem the world had is when the disciples and when Christ and the disciples and the apostles started preaching, you've got to live different than you're living. That, wait a minute, that we don't like. Hold on now. Oh, just talk about God and worshiping God and loving God and loving each other. Nobody cares. You can preach that all you want to. But you tell a sinner, stop sinning. All of a sudden it becomes personal. Now you're meddling. Now I must kill you. That's the response. A skeptic was asked, why? He he asked, he said, he was talking to a Christian. He said, why does God allow all this evil in the world? 
Why? We have wars. We have, we have sickness. Babies are, get sick and die. We have people killing their own children. We have all this evil in the world. If God is real and God loves us, why in the world does he allow that to happen? The Christian had an amazing response. He said, why are you so worried about the evil you can't do anything about, but you do absolutely nothing about the evil that's in your own heart? Powerful statement there. And so what is Christmas to us? It is a realization that Jesus Christ came to earth. He looked His people in the eyes and He said, follow Me. And then He set an example and then He went to a cross. And so when the world tries to secularize it and make it this and make it that and make it about the other thing, we have to realize it's about the fact that Jesus came to be with us. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon His shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful. End of statement. His name shall be called Wonderful. His name shall be called Counselor. His name shall be called the Mighty God. His name shall be called the Everlasting Father. His name shall be called the Prince of Peace. He is the Almighty God and there is none other beside him. The God of all creation came to earth to save our souls. That's what we have to remember about Christmas. I don't think we need to fight about whether it was pagan or not because it's only pagan if it's pagan in here. If we allow it to be pagan, it will be pagan. If it is Christian, it will be Christian. Not again, not that it is commanded by God. It is not. But I can't imagine God being mad because we picked a day and celebrated the day His Son came. As long as we keep it in proper perspective. Can we stand please and pray with me? Father, what a wonderful time of the year. And Lord, as I go to work every day and I look at what so often other people don't see, I realize just how bad Northeast Washington needs Jesus. I look and I see how bad lives are destroyed. Homes are war zones. Children are living in tortures that are beyond description. People are trying to destroy and kill one another. They're killing themselves with substances that do nothing but wreak havoc and and destroy their bodies and their spirits. Lord, they need Jesus. Father, I pray, God, for them right now. Once again, I pray, Lord, that you'll break the hold of alcoholism in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that you'll break that hold in lives. People in this place right here, Lord, have children who are addicted to alcohol and drugs. They have grandchildren that are addicted to alcohol and drugs. I pray for them right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for them once again, God, that you will free them. Set them free from that grip that is holding them. And Lord, the Bible tells us that if they cannot receive the truth is because the the devil has blinded their eyes. I pray, God, right now that you will open their eyes. Open their eyes. Let them see the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that we as this body right here will remember what this season is truly about. And that is Jesus Christ coming to earth 
Lord, paying our price, dying on a cross. I thank You, Lord. I pray that every one of us will carry that message wherever we go. Help us remember that we that the world may turn secular around us, but we will not allow it to happen in our own homes. Lord, I just praise You in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah.